0: On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, no, I love what you did with the logo.
1: Oh, you like that? Amazing. I always like to make a special logo for everything, because, you know, that's the only way to do it. So.
2: so bringing in the nautical thing from the yeah. video, so it was great, yeah. Nice. Yeah,
1: that was all by accident, I didn't realize I was doing it that way. Oh, my goodness, wow! <laughs> yeah, we had that
2: exact background in our video, so yeah. it's it's perfect. Oh. The, in the little, yeah. yeah, in the Beacons video, we have yeah. that thing right behind my head.
1: It's pretty great. Oh, wow! So you do videos and everything,
2: yeah. I mean, music production, and then I added uh video to to it just out of necessity, uh huh. And so that became became just part of uh, part of the arsenal now well so you know video
1: is so important to everything now it's like to get your stuff out there they want to see what you're doing, and you guys are so great on camera you know oh, thank
2: you. <laughs> she was she was born for it
1: <laughs> yeah, so you guys started in 2012, right
2: um yeah that was the that was when the first first album or the first ep came out and um, and basically I mean I moved to chicago in in twenty at the end of 2010 mm mm-hmm. And we sort of got going at that point. So it took a little bit of time to sort of put songs together. And
3: I had never played guitar before. So. Or well, <laughs> you would never know
1: that. Really? At that time? So you've only been playing for this little bit of time?
3: Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. You're so good.
3: Oh, I'm, 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 I'm a work in progress, but thank you. You <laughs> <laughs>
1: are. I just yeah. remember you guys would come to shows and you'd always be right up in the front supporting these artists that we had. You know,
2: it's you make it easy. You've had such great bands on. Yeah,
1: I got to build a new studio again. I totally miss having the bands come in because they, you know, we had an audience of like, you know, 50 to 150 people that could show up and literally they wouldn't have to be charged or they could see a band and to be that close, you know,
2: if I'm being honest.
3: Oh, Oh, was it the first time we came? Was it for joy? uh, The joy formidable? Yeah. Oh, my God. Weren't
1: they great? Was that when they had the gong? No, not that no. one. Oh, the was, first, first yeah. one, yeah, yeah, the very first yeah. one. Yeah,
3: we'd seen them at you know, venues before, but that show was Lincoln maybe Hall, the first one. Yeah, like, that was the best. Yeah. at JBTV because it was so intimate and
1: and they've been so supportive too of uh, everything. They uh, they helped me through my cancer and Aww, everything. That's great. You know, I'm in, I'm doing great now. Yeah, you look that's great. Yeah. yeah,
3: you totally look amazing. It's
1: music it's all these great bands well you know i would go from chemotherapy and then i would go right to having a band at the studio right and it never you know because when you're in chemotherapy it's, everybody's like oh i'm so depressed and you know i was going like okay <laughs> Welcome to the JBTV Podcast. Each and every show is dedicated to great music lovers. And on this edition of our JBTV Podcast, we are featuring a brand new band. Are you ready? The podcast starts right here, right now. New music now.
3: I am Sarah Rose Faith, and um, I'm in the Bellwether Syndicate. It's <laughs> <I don't know laughs> just also known as uh, DJ Scary Lady Sarah.
1: Yeah. Now, I never understood your name What's scary? I mean, you are not scary at all.
3: I, it, it came about from um, a. a- mishap really on a flyer many 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 years ago a mishap somebody some of my friends called me scary sarah some Uh of my friends called me lady sarah Uh someone was making a flyer for something i was djing one of my very first dj gigs and this was before the age of cell phones and the internet so they didn't know which to choose did not have my phone number it was late as night so they just combined the two Uh and when people say that to me because i get that very frequently like you're not scary at all i either jokingly tell them well you just don't know me well enough Or wait. <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> yeah, the scary part is your hair goes like yeah. insane.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you, William Faith,
2: uh, co-founder of the Bellweather Syndicate and um, former member of more goth bands than probably anybody else.
1: Yeah, how many? Jesus.
2: Uh, at this point, it's. It's like
1: twenty.
2: You know, I've actually 20, never gone back no. in Canada. Oh wow! Um, but it's uh, it's it's quite a list and um so yeah blessed on all sides
1: wow it's amazing so this is a great edition of jbtv from the heart of the windy city downtown chicago i have an awesome chicago band that knows all about jbtv and they're coming up next we're going to see their latest music video right indeed And uh, you have two other videos we're going to play too. So, we do, yeah. And and I got to say, all your videos are really professionally well done. So that's all your work. You didn't like hire people to shoot it. You did it yourself.
2: All in house, done at my own place, Thirteen Studio here in Chicago.
1: Excellent, excellent. So What kind of studio do you have?
2: It's just a mixed use studio. I mean, we do uh, primarily music production, so I'm, audio is my main thing. So mm-hmm. I you know produce and engineer records for bands, and uh, then we've. Uh, in into the pandemic, we started adding live streaming. So Sarah does Nocturna
3: on, on Tuesdays, yeah, on Twitch. Uh
1: huh. Um, from in, down there, anyways. is that working out for you? Like you make money off that and stuff? I,
3: I have a little income from that. Wow. Um, a little less than I did during the pandemic because now clubs aren't open, so less people are doing it. And even though I am returned to live nightclub DJing, the Twitch community has been so amazing and yeah, yeah. and it's just fun and it's a different way to experience music and share it that I've continued to do it and a little income is nice mm-hmm. as well.
1: I know Great Corner, you know, I set yeah. up a Twitch one yeah. too and I did a few, but it I have to turn on all this extra equipment and I couldn't afford the electric bill. Oh shoot.
2: <laughs> nah, it's a big overhead for sure for something with that screen. It's scale.
1: crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Electric and cost everything costs so much. It does. You know. I'm amazed at how expensive concerts have gotten, you know. Not necessarily for you guys, you know, but these mega artists, it's like who who wants to spend what, a thousand twelve hundred dollars for two-hour concert, and then you got to park, and then you got to go out for dinner for another couple hundred bucks. It's like, it's no longer like it used to be, you know?
2: Post-pandemic, it's gotten crazy. It's become a different animal out there. And, uh, you know, expenses have gone up. Clubs and venues are a lot less willing to take a risk. So they're sort of ratcheting up ticket prices. And so the, the you know, attendees are the ones who are ultimately paying the price at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. For that reason we still try to keep our stuff super reasonable in terms of merch prices and ticket prices we don't like anybody being gouged but the end result is we have to be a lot more choosy about what we do
1: Mm -hmm. well you got you're a perfectionist i can tell that you know so well let's see some videos of live performances that you've been at or had something to do with i guess we should start with the march violets right oh
0: Oh. (laughs) right on jbtv (laughs) stage
4: circulates with her and hands picking the warm bars one by one now walk into the sun now walk walk, walk. into the sun now walk into the sun So all is bright Vicious sins sins of gentle folk And on my horse That's a joke Find your picture in the mirror Find your portrait On the hall Turn the sun up back again This is a dance for everyone Now walk Walk into the sun Throwing
0: stuffers, lovely. Always good to have. Folding money, folding money. I
3: was going to say, throw ten dollar bills or something.
2: Yeah. And we're back. March Violets are actually in. We just finished recording a new ten song album. Oh really? Yep. And uh, and we're following that up with some touring. We're doing a couple of weeks in Europe. Uh, at the end of May into June. And then there's gonna be some state side shows in August and then another European run and possibly South America in October.
1: Wow. We were so impressed with that, the performance they did. You know, you guys did. <laughs> I keep forgetting. I, I always look at the, you know, I'm so <laughs> close to these things. I forget so much about what was going on. Well, you've only done, on.
2: what, one or two JBTV shows? And <laughs> we're about the- three
1: now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I can't believe how many, like, I got like 5,000 tapes here. So there's got to wow. be like 1,500 performances we've done, you know. Yeah. I'm sure. And, uh, and, and then, you know, again, I miss doing the performances. I really got to build a new studio, but I don't know where to do it or get how to fund it. Cause you know, when I built the studio next door, we did it without permits. wow I mean, I did it back in 2000, whatever, one or two or three, whatever it was. And it was in an election year. Nobody seemed to care. And it was in a building that nobody cared about. So, you know, we did it like, you know, but we built it in like 30 days and it's taken them over three years to rehab the place. <laughs> oh, gosh. Has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but.
3: <laughs> it always happens in Chicago, though.
1: Yeah. So here are the March Violets on JBTV as they performed on our live JBTV HD stage. <laughs> Weather Syndicate. Now, how did you come up with that name?
2: Uh, we were kind of going back and forth about a few different names, and I'm glad we landed on this one. I do have a penchant for coming up with names that as soon as you say them, the person listening will go, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, every most bands I've been in, you wind up having to explain the name for for some end purpose. But in our case... The syndicate concept was something that appealed to me, this almost sort of rock and roll mafia kind Mm -hmm. of.
1: Well, you you sort of look like you could be in the syndicate here. You got, (laughs) you're so, you know, (laughs) smartly dressed and everything and- uh, By design. But you're in the rock and roll syndicate. Precisely. Yeah. And the bellwether aspect
2: is just kind of being able to forecast trends, seeing what's coming. Mm -hmm. And so it's that blend of that idea that's kind of where we like to, that's the spot we like to live in. Mm -hmm. That's I, awesome. I did
3: not expect to explain what the word bellwether meant so frequently, though, and everyone wants to put an A in the in the word. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we've made a kind of a joke hashtag that's trended a little bit. because uh-huh. hashtag There Is No A in Bellwether.
1: Weather. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I <laughs> I would have thought there would be an A, right? You know. So do you have the equipment endorsements and stuff yet, or?
2: Uh, we're endorsed by Schechter Guitars mm-hmm. and uh, old friends and great people, and so. Yeah, that's I guess that's the only one right now. But, uh, but that's a that's, yeah. that's a big
0: one. So
1: far. Yeah, yeah. So they give you a bunch of guitars and stuff. Or... Indeed. Oh, wow.
3: My Schecter Corsair bass. I love it.
1: Yeah. Now, how many instruments do you take out on tour? Do you have like a number, or do you have you too know too
3: many? Too many. Well, yeah, too a many? Lot.
1: <laughs> do you have a guitar tech or someone to help you with all that? Yeah, you're looking at them. Oh really? <laughs> so you not only shoot the videos, come up with the ideas, come up with the songs, record it. You're much like JBTV, <laughs> except I never came up with the music, but you know.
2: Uh, well, you just created the platform for it and made fantastic productions out of all of it, um, which is a massive, massive achievement off of the cab to user. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to Bellwether, yeah, I mean, I'm a professed control freak. So mm-hmm. things have to, there's a mark I'm always trying to hit. And so that goes into the production of the shows, the recordings, everything, you know, I, I always want to put on a show that i don't want to see. Mm-hmm. And so that's, a lot of that effort is in you know is in doing that and sarah's voice is also super present in that we, oh yeah you know, she she checks me if i'm getting a little bit too far afield on some ideas <laughs> which i have a penchant for doing
3: you dream big which is good
1: you gotta dream big i i never give up on dreams right you know so uh so when when you put all these things together and you plan your tour. So what's, what's the next thing now? Cause you're going on a big tour with your new album.
2: Yes. Yeah. We're going to be out with uh, clan of Zymox through all of March and we're doing Concord Music all here uh, at the end of the month. And, um, and then right now we are looking at, we're sort of fielding offers for a European run, uh, probably in July. And then, um, uh, um, stateside run right around that same time.
1: So, how long is the European run? A few weeks or? Um,
2: still in negotiation, but uh-huh. usually we try to get out for about two, three weeks at a time. I think
1: it's great that when you go overseas, aren't the audiences like more excited in a lot of ways to see you?
3: It, it depends on the event in the country, I think. Uh-huh. Um, we've had some, so, well, some of our biggest and our, definitely our two biggest and best shows were when we played the Wave Gothic Treffen Festival in Leipzig, Germany. And that's amazing. I mean wow. thousands of people and people singing along and knowing the words and dancing and mm-hmm. really getting into it.
2: Europe for me going back, you know, decades now, it's the audiences there are just so into the show, very appreciative. Mm-hmm. Not so concerned with, you know, being cool or you don't the you really have to win American audiences over. You know, it takes it takes a lot more effort to kind of get them in the palm of your hand, you know, you really have to make that connection. And that's, you know, sometimes, you know, in some cases it's right, it's right there waiting for you. Other times you kind of have to convince them. Uh, European audiences are just really open to the experience and, you know, and just go for it. Right,
1: right. I remember when we had Green Day and uh, they were saying like when they were in LA, you know, the audience is like, oh, entertain us, you know, (laughs) (laughs) versus, you know, the true music fans because Chicago, It's such a great market for music. We have such great venues here. What are your favorite venues? Wow. Well, I mean, there's obviously Metro. Yeah. uh, How many times have you been there?
3: Well, my God. Well, I've been working there since, oh gosh. My my regular Club Night Nocturna has been in the Metro building. Started Uh off in Smart Bar in 1996.
1: Yeah, the Smart Mars changed but, a lot. Right, hasn't it wasn't it? smart,
3: yeah. but now it's been in Metro itself since oh, '99. Really? Oh, cool. So my regular club nights there, and I, I, God, I started going to Metro the year it opened in '82. Uh huh. Like throughout my entire teen years, there wasn't a week that I wasn't there for at least one all-ages punk show. Uh-huh. And oh, so much, so much of my life is tied up into that venue. Not only just as a patron, but as <laughs> part of the metro family yeah. you know, working there we got married on metro stage actually wow. and, um, and
2: and the ceremony was performed by rosie from the march violets yes.
1: oh really yes. so she was our
2: officiant was. wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've,
1: i didn't know it was a holy altar of rock and roll yeah, love stardom here
3: <laughs> I've, I've stage dove off of that stage as a teenager and now i work on it as
1: an adult. Wow, we've shot so many concerts there too. Joe Shanahan says, you were like a regular for years, you know. Uh, Joe's
3: a good friend and a mentor.
1: Great guy. Well, if it wasn't for Joe Shanahan, there's so many bands that wouldn't have even had a chance to play such a memorable place. And the Metro is just something about it. You know, the the sound of it, the feel of it, because it's not a gigantic club, but it's not a small club either, you know, and it's got a real stage and everything. The only thing I'm mad about Joe Shanahan is on the stairway in the back up to the stage, used to have all that graffiti. Oh, graffiti. Yeah. And it's all gone now. I go, oh, what happened to all those classic signatures? But I got them on videotape when we did the Metro 20 anniversary DVD for Joe. Very cool.
3: Very cool. Yeah. Our thing, our. I think I speak for both of us. Our probably second venue that we go to the most and we really love is Empty Bottle. Oh, yeah.
1: I've
3: seen countless, countless shows. And we've obviously had the great opportunity to play there. And we played at Metro, too. Um, but also, a couple of times. Yeah, DJed. A few times? At Empty Bottle tons and tons of times, yeah. too. It's great. Yeah. It's a yeah. Great so when did you start it. DJing? Uh, 1988. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what much was your
1: first equipment?
3: Oh my goodness. Well, back then it was just record albums. Of uh-huh. course, this is... What are those <laughs> albums? <very> <laughs> <laughs>
1: and
3: and the rare cassette, which was not fun to DJ off a cassette. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. when bands would send me a song that was not released otherwise. So um, I um my very first club DJing experiences was at Neo, and that was 1988, where we started the club night that I still do today, Nocturna. And it was just some simple like techniques decks and uh-huh i've been mean, really simple nothing nothing fancy <laughs> about what was there but it's then. not
1: the equipment it's how you put it together with the songs and the mixes you know Yeah, i know you're friends with uh, great corner who still works yeah. with us which is amazing i you know and uh, he was telling me how great you guys are so I, yeah we got to do this and do yeah. that and great, great, great. Greg's a great, great guy. guy yeah yeah so uh and he does a lot of djing too he you does know. yeah
3: yeah yeah do you,
1: cor- do you do corporate things too sometimes or no but Good. I, <laughs> my, yeah my
3: my foray is more into really alternative things that aren't just, uh maybe a very more much more specific underground kind of audience uh-huh. i absolutely respect you know, the skills of someone like Greg, I, I play songs, so I don't really do a lot of technical things when I DJ. I play a song from start to finish. <laughs> I don't do a whole lot of, you know, beat matching and that type of thing. So there's um, amazing DJs in Chicago for that. If you want to go and dance to like a seamless beat all night long, And mm-hmm. I bow to their to their technical skills. But people come to my nights usually for more, a little more guitar oriented music as well. You know, it's goth and industrial and, mm-hmm. and some the, Things that are related to that.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, seeing you on Twitch because uh, Greg says, "Gotta, you know, do all this." And uh, you have so many followers uh, watching you. It's amazing.
3: Well, it's. I think it's a, a, more or less a testament to my longevity.
2: <laughs> yeah, I' something you built up over time.
3: It, it is. Yes, I have built up. Obviously, I've been teaching for. It'll be 35 years this year.
1: Oh wow! Yeah. JBTV is 40 years this oh, year. Oh my gosh! Wow. That's awesome. Yeah.
3: Yes, congrats.
1: I never thought I'd make it past, like, two or three, (laughs) (laughs) you know. But we stopped doing shows at the Metro and everything because of the cost. So, you know, if you shoot 10, 12 cameras, you know, especially 4 and 8K now, you know. But even with HD, it'd be all this. uh, But I did it on videotape. So I was still a tape editor all the way till 2019.
2: Yep. I mean, when I started as an engineer, I was working in an old analog facility with two-inch tape on...
1: Oh, quad, oh, I remember those days well, yeah. Yeah, we had a bunch of those machines too, but they didn't, you couldn't edit the way we do now. Even when we got to one inch and the HD cam, uh, those two inch quad machines were, you had to like insert edit, like you'd roll a machine and punch in (laughs) and hope it made a good edit, you know?
2: Yeah, I do not miss chasing time code.
1: Yeah, and the adjustments and everything, horizontal blanking. Whoa, that doesn't exist in nonlinear anymore. What type of a system do you edit on?
2: Uh, these days, God, it's so simple. I literally shoot everything on my phone. Uh-huh. I use Filmic Pro, which is Oh, a that's great
1: a app. great app. For it. anybody out there that wants to shoot video on your iPhone, the Filmic Pro is great because you can adjust the iris, uh, the exposure, and you can adjust the focus so you can do this depth of field stuff.
2: Focus peaking. You've got all these great... So wait a
1: features. minute. All those beautiful videos I see are done with an iPhone? Every one of them jeez hey apple you gotta sponsor this guy <laughs> apple, please.
3: <laughs> please
1: i got this cool rig that i set up to shoot with have you done that with yours oh well the funny part i have some of my
2: um some of my curiosity and where my beginning foray into the iphone came from being at jbtv oh, and really? watching you with a handheld gimbal uh-huh. for the first time right and i was like what is that thing And so that got me curious, and I was like, oh, these aren't terribly expensive. Right. I've already got the phone. Uh And so that was kind of what started me down the road, because obviously being in the studio, there was all these much larger cameras and lighting rigs set up. But then I watched you walking around handheld Mm -hmm. with a gimbal, and I was just like, that's impressive yeah that's and so that was kind of some of the inspiration for me to go and dji
1: field. makes a great little gimbal for the iphone and the iphone shoots such beautiful video so wow i'm impressed you know here i thought you did like with a canon camera or one of those big alexas you know or whatever and all, all this.
2: shot on an iphone
1: yeah so you didn't even have to do a lot of lighting either regular three-point lighting for most of it yeah Three
2: softboxes and some spotlighting, motivated lighting, and that was about it.
1: I'm so impressed with you guys. You're so talented. Your music's so great. (laughs) Now, talking about music, let's go back and play some music videos of yours, okay? Now, the one that I got queued up is uh, Dystopian Mirror. Tell us about that video.
2: Well, uh, that's about a mutual friend of ours um, who had uh, passed back in 2013 Aww. and was a, uh, a good friend of both of us and had succumbed to some personal demons and uh, there was a number of the community that knew him and uh, we were all knocked back when we heard. And it was basically about someone. Falling into the depths of drugs and alcohol, and uh, isolating, and kind of getting into their own, their own misery, and not being able to reach out of that. Mm-hmm. And for us, it was there's just a, a, an anger that goes along with it. That it's you know what Sarah had. For, Sarah was the first person who said this to me, but it's always stuck in my mind that it was a permanent solution to a temporary problem, and. We never got the opportunity to talk to him, to you know be there and help him out of it. and he just isolated and stayed away from people who could help him. Mm-hmm. and uh, the resulting anger from that was what motivated the song and then the video and uh, and the the narrative, the lyric is meant to be the voices inside his head as he's sort of going into this descent. and so the video was intended to be. Just a sort of a documentation of that in the hopes that it might speak to other people who are in that situation, that it might, you know, provide some perspective or some, you know, some modicum of
1: inspiration to reach out. Yeah. Drugs and alcohol. Wow. What a combination, huh? I like smoking pot, which doesn't have any of those kind of things. But, you know, but when you get into doing, uh, I've known so many of my friends that uh, aren't here anymore that got into cocaine very heavily and heroin. And uh, you know that uh, the Dandy Warhol song, Heroin is so passe. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of think of that all the time when I hear that, but it isn't, you know, and it's still very prevalent in the entertainment business. And, Absolutely.
2: You know. I mean, I got that stuff out of the way early for the most part and, um, and you know, certainly gave it a nudge, you know, uh, but the uh, the rest of it, it's, you know, over time you just see way too many people dropping off way too early. And uh, between the two of us, I think that you know the number of people that we know that have checked out either, you know, either on their the, own,
3: uh, intentionally or unintentionally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like use of drugs,
2: yeah. it's probably that's that's ahead of heart disease or
1: cancer by a considerable margin. Yeah. Yeah. People we know. Yeah. Well, cancer ain't fun either. But <laughs> no question. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's a crazy thing that drugs do to you. Uh, You know, it's like sugar addiction too. you know, once you start getting into it, you can't stop, you know, but at least sugar, sugar doesn't kill you except when you get diabetes or something later on, you know, but, oh, that's another whole story. (laughs) Well, here's the video right here, right now on JVTV as the music continues intro it for us.
3: This is dystopian mirror from the Bellwether syndicate.
1: What a great song what a great video this business is not a nine to five business and you dream about it you live it you, you're both in that i'm sure you know like how do you write your songs do you do it all together or does it come up with the music or the lyrics or
3: william pretty much writes all the music uh-huh. that's something i have yet to fully explore myself i want to but i'm i don't know i I've got such a capable songwriter that I <laughs>
2: I think she's got a lot of great music in her that is yet to come to the fore, but the the way that I explain it is there are a lot of things that are written because Sarah is there to play them and sing them mm-hmm. and uh so her presence in in the creative aspect of the band is very deeply felt, and there is nothing that I do that I'm not. Constantly going back and forth. Hey, what do you think of this? You know, or, or may, maybe it could do this, and then you know, taking that input. So right. her creative voice is very, very much uh, felt, and uh, and then she's also contributed uh, lyrics and vocal melodies and stuff, which I would argue is music writing. Um,
1: it's all an art form, you know. It's the the lyrics are the hardest, you know, and you tell these stories and and the the depth of lyrics in your songs too, you know, with uh, things. So.
3: I'm- I'm very excited actually for our album to, for our full album to be released because I do have one song on there that I wrote all the lyrics and the melody and sing. Uh-huh.
1: So. so now you play guitar, but have you learned any other instruments yet?
3: Guitar and bass is what I'm playing now. Uh-huh. I was just playing rhythm guitar, um, but on the new album, I play bass primarily, but live I'll still do a combination. I like, I like both. Yeah. But um,
1: bass yeah.
3: is, well... And William, what do analogy. you do?
1: How many <laughs> instruments do you play?
2: It's, all a, of it's, them. A, it's a long <laughs> list, actually. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, in my uh, previous band, Faith in the Muse, uh, that was it was quite the array. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's jello, hammer dulcimer, salteri, doombeck, um, you know, mandolin. Um, there's just a whole spectrum of things. And the way I'd always explain, I used to get a lot of press and credit for all that, and I would say in response to that that you know it's yes I'm amazing on the hammered dulcimer if you've never seen somebody play the hammered dulcimer before so it's you know you put me up against a you know 70 year old guy in in a pub in Ireland who's been doing this his whole life I got nothing <laughs> yeah you know, so I, my entire approach to instruments has always been learning what I need to do to get the job done for what I'm trying to do for a specific application mm-hmm. so it's more appropriating things I'll usually spend a little time trying to learn the culture of an instrument uh, some you know some of the basics about the actual mechanics of playing it, and then and then I take it off into my own territory. And so a lot of it is just little bits of skill that are just mixed, and they look impressive because it is a long list. But in and of themselves, I'm a master of none of those things. But my mainstays have always been a lot of standard rock instrumentation: so guitar, bass, keyboards, drums,
1: and to a lesser extent, vocals. Mm-hmm. I like how he's so like, you know, no so big, you know. Uh, <laughs> I
3: know he's too modest. you so pick talented. up any Now, instrument when and did play you it? first
1: start getting into music? Like what age?
2: Oh my God, uh, that was uh, that was easy, um, and it can all be traced back to Kiss, like most things. Wow! <laughs> and, Rock and um, roll all night. <laughs> oh, from the, from the beginning, and I was, uh, you know, thankful to her having a cousin who turned me on to the Kiss records when I was about eight, mm-hmm. and. I just saw the cover of Alive and thought that they looked amazing. And uh, But the music didn't really grab me until Destroyer came out, and that was 76. And as soon as that album dropped, that was my music at my time. And so I just heard the first notes of Detroit Rock City coming out over the sp- stereo speakers. And I was like, this is me. This yeah, is my thing. Wow. And it was just one of those, you know, chills kind of moments where all this this charge went through. Me. I, I call the skin like,
1: orgasms. 100%. <laughs>
2: <laughs> couldn't agree more yeah and so that led to um my first concert which was kiss and cheap trick in 1977. It was wow where was the, that at the forum in la i'm from la originally wow and um and that was one of those pivotal moments where i can describe my life as before and after that concert because as soon as kiss hit the stage cheap trick were no slouches either mind mm-hmm. you but as soon as kiss hit the stage and the first note hit the first flame, flame pots went off um, that was at that exact moment. That was like, that's what I want to do with the rest wow. of my
1: life. Do you know, there is, there's like one degree of separation now between us because, uh, we did the commercials for the, for the kiss tour with Joe Kelly. I used to do wow. tour commercials and we worked for KLOS in Los Angeles, of course under KLOS 95.5. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so we did the TV commercials for him and Joe Kelly, my original partner, he and I, uh, did about 300 stations around the country and we were the first to do the presents with uh, radio stations. So the promoter would pay us, the band wouldn't, the promoter would pay us to do the commercials. So we gave them like five spots, which, you know, coming, you know, the date, and then this week, and then, you know, the difference in making money at a concert is the last little push you get. Because if there's like 100 seats that are empty, that's the profit, you know, so we would have tonight and the fact, then we said, well, we're going to do presents. So we get all this free airplay on the radio station. Plus the radio station, KLOS uh, got to present the show. Thus, they got to go on stage and intro it. their disc jockey. They gave away like 25 to 50 tickets to the show. So it was a great way to promote the bands. The airplay helped because the radio station is now pushing the songs And, uh, that's, we've lost all that. That doesn't happen like that anymore. You know, so radio out there. Well, I, I'm not even going to say it. So the consolidation has really ruined the radio business because there was a time when every radio station you've traveled around the United States, you know, both of you, there used to be every market, you'd be listening to local radio and it had a sound, right?
3: Thank goodness there's still college radio, though.
1: No. Oh, college radio. To yeah. the extent there is, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, college radio is the real deal because they're not on, they're trying to get uh ratings. They're on, just let's play the you know, let's play the bands I like to see, you know, or here on the radio, you know. So that's that personality. So well, off of that subject, what do we have next of yours? What's our next video?
2: Our next video is beacons
1: beacons yes those little things that are out in the ocean blinking away right probably not Indeed.
2: (laughs) well actually uh, it's it's like most things it's double it has a double meaning to Uh it uh um the lost at sea sort of nautical narrative of the whole thing is actually a bit of a corollary to our fans Mm -hmm. And, and they're the ones who are the beacons at the live shows they're the ones who are holding up their cell phones and you know kind of shining that light that guides us home it's that that energy uh exchange that happens and you know without without them you know we would truly be lost so that's what this is about
1: Another great video. A three or four hundred thousand dollar budget on this video at least. <laughs> and a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. You've got to get a sponsorship with iPhone, with Apple for this, because I mean you're an artist taking their phones to the next level and showing that you don't need to have all this money to create a video. It's it's more organic and anybody can do it, you know. That's
2: what I love about the technology is that it levels the playing field. It creates access for people because, you know, having Logic and having Final Cut and having an iPhone, there's just about nothing that you can't do. You know, mm. there's it's in many respects, it you know bears a similarity to early days of punk rock where the means of production were opened up to people and you were able to, you know, people were starting zines and record labels and putting on shows mm-hmm. and and so this has done that technologically for a lot of people. And they, you know, for for me, it's changed everything. You know, I, as an engineer, having come up in the traditional studio system, there were no options for me to go home and create some sort of high powered you know, home studio yeah. until things went digital. And, you know, we were able to do things on your computer mm-hmm. and changed change the whole the whole narrative. And so that's that's what I like about this era is that
1: anyone can go out and do it right well i couldn't do what i'm doing if it wasn't for the digital world you know up until the last time well i was the first to have a digital disc recorder i had a eight channel i showed you that i think uh we the last time you we were at our studios you know and uh that was cool that was revolutionary because they designed that sort of for me <laughs> abacus in fact they're such a good company they're in canada but they're they've they're not in business another company bought them out and they sort of got rid of everybody and uh they sent me uh, I it just shows you when you work and do things with there' are so many good people in the world. they were throwing out tape machines and stuff, so they gave they sent me from Canada uh, an HD cam tape deck so I could still watch my tapes here and and, oh, and a brand new editor and I lost all my equipment because you know I went through a bankruptcy and everything with the studio. And uh, so they took all my equipment and all my memorabilia. So all the stuff I have here is all my other stuff. So, you know, but it doesn't matter. I'm making new memorabilia, you know. So are you going to have a vinyl album out? We are. Yes. Tell us about that.
2: Um, Yeah, we're, um, I think the delay in getting this album out, part of it has been is because the pressing plants for vinyl are backed up at least nine months. So that's added a little bit of a tail on it, but the demand was there. People wanted it. So we wanted to do it for them. And so we are doing, we are doing vinyl with the with the new album.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell us about the new album.
3: So it's called Vestige and Vigil, uh-huh. and uh, in a traditional album sense, one side is Vestige, the other side is Vigil. Wow. William has a pretty cool uh, explanation of why, and why the songs are grouped as such.
2: It was a unique experience to think in vinyl terms again after all this time. Um, I, I came up in an era where the very first thing I ever put out was in 1989, and that was on 7-inch, you know, single format. They called those
1: little EPs, right, at the time. And it was just a single. Oh, know? just a and, single, uh, okay. It was
2: two songs, one on each side. Uh-huh. And that was um, at 45. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was in '89, and then almost immediately after that, we came into CDs, and that became the dominant, you know, platform. And then after that, I haven't thought about vinyl much at all up until recent times where originally when vinyl came back, it was sort of a, you know, almost a fetishistic kind of thing that Mm -hmm. people were just, you know, they just wanted it for the sake of it. And now it's actually gotten to the point where, I mean, I think Taylor Swift's album went gold the first day on vinyl sales alone, which is insane. Mm -hmm. And so now we're in an era where vinyl is actually viable again and people are actually clamoring for it. Um, I don't know that it'll last, but it's here now. So uh, we're doing it. And uh, in designing this, this album, we knew from the onset uh, that we were going to be doing a vinyl for it. So consequently, when it came to assembling songs and mastering, we had to think in 24 minutes aside mm-hmm. and grouping songs that way. And so that led Sarah and I to kind of think when we were in our teens and we, you know, vinyl albums were everything. And, uh, Designing that experience, and you know, you're going to have the thing in your hand. You're going to have the lyrics. You're going to, you know, be flipping sides. So let's design that the way we would have wanted it. Wanted to hear it when we were kids. And so, we grouped the songs together in a way that made sense. And lyrically, this album really went somewhere else than we were expecting it to. And um, normally, our stuff has a little bit of a political narrative to it. And uh, we're just basically, you know, talking about state of things and and trying to connect to the human experience you know through that not losing yourself um but at the same time still always kicking against it and and uh, this album certainly it still has some of that but the i think because of the a lot of it was created during the pandemic that there was a distinctly personal theme to it a lot of the songs really kind of went deep and um across all fronts sarah's lyrics as well and when it came to group songs, they seemed to follow two convenient themes. One was a lot of these songs, songs seemed to be sort of holding vigil for things that had passed, people we'd lost, you know, the, the pandemic times that have changed. And so, so that became vigil and then vestige is about celebrating what remains, what's left. And uh, so that just kind of played out into this theme. And uh, so that was just kind of how it pieced out, and that's what the songs are that's how the songs are grouped, and that's uh what it's about. So how
1: long did it take you to plan? Because I remember in the old days of putting albums together, it was a trip that you were on, a musical journey from start to end. And a lot of kids don't listen to music like that anymore. So what was cool about albums is once you put them on, you Know it just sort of blended together, you know, and so you spend a lot of time. Maybe this song should be changed, so it wasn't like initially, oh, this here or this that there, you know, or whatever.
2: No, not, and it was very intentional, and we designed it very carefully for that exact experience. So there was, you know, post it notes and sticking stuff, you know, swapping things around and going, like, okay, this doesn't fit here, blah, 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 which is oh, that's the thing, you know. So it mm-hmm. was uh, all that thing. We really wanted to create something that. Would have spoken to us when we right, found right. it. Right,
1: Now the songs blend together. Do you do it that way, or do they have little spaces in between, or just just wondering about the technical thing?
3: <laughs> now, there are little segues yeah. in between, but but there's also an, kind of an intro track and an outro track as well.
1: Uh
2: huh. Which those things are very out of vogue, but we <laughs> wanted to, you know. We wanted to welcome you in and show you out you know, no it's art
1: our... that's not out of vogue it's what's happening now you're telling the stories that have to be told you're 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 given an emotion of something that has to be out there you know and that means a lot you know
2: that's how we wanted to approach it you know and ultimately i mean we are to some extent sarah definitely keeps me on track um when i'm starting to
1: get a little bit too in my own head about oh, things really? Do you ever argue together about music? <laughs> oh sure. Oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the time. I mean, you seem so mild-mannered and everything, you know. But uh, you know. <laughs> this is Sarah. <laughs>
2: that's
1: scary where the, that's Sarah. Where the scary yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, no, we, we we both it it would follow that uh-huh. we're both super passionate about music, and it's our lives. Our lives. It's both of our uh-huh. lives. Yeah. And so, um, we have. You know, We have things that we're absolutely, I mean, the majority of music we're super together on. And uh, we like most of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. But then there's, you know, she's a DJ and uh, she, oh, well, let me explain. Yeah. Let you
3: explain it. Yeah. We we often say to each other, well, we have different needs for music. Some, some the same, but different. Right, As right. a DJ, I'm constantly looking for something that's that's new and exciting that I can give to an audience and share. And if I'm in a club situation, of course, that will hopefully make people dance um, because that's what keeps them there if they're dancing. And if something sounds maybe reminiscent of something else, I can overlook that. And if it's good enough quality on its own, and it has those other things. Whereas I say this, William, his main critique of something is if he can describe it as like, oh, it sounds like, another band. You know, he he wants something that sounds like nothing else always.
1: You got to be like and that's so hard yeah. to do because sometimes you come up with something, oh, this sounds great, then he listens to something, oh, they stole that from us.
3: <laughs> the way
2: I describe it is if I can sum up your band in one or two other bands, it's not interesting to me. Right. I'm way, and so many people are looking for old music all the time and for me, I'm way more interested in what tomorrow looks like. Mm-hmm. And so when it, when i'm writing when i'm you know creating stuff that's that's the bar that i'm trying to hit i always want to be pushing new into new territory it's just boring to me to just do the same stuff and the, my rambling screed on it is: if I have to reach for five or more bands to describe what you're doing, odds are you've had an original thought. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that interest me. Those are band There are scads of bands out there that are doing really unique and powerful stuff, and that's what turns me on. That's the stuff that I'm really interested in. Whereas some, and and that's not taking away from, from anybody who likes, you know, some of those bands that I may not care for, you know. I certainly don't care to dictate anyone's taste or tell them what they should or shouldn't listen to. So personally,
1: to. why would you? You know exactly. Yeah.
2: So, but for me personally, I you know I'm always looking for bands that are pushing the envelope and doing something different and advancing, you know, the style and the genres and the narrative into new territory.
3: I think a lot of my interest in music too is is the culture around it, not just the the actual finished art, mm-hmm. but the the community. And too since i am a a, a nightclub person that <laughs> community is is everything
1: really. so you're you're used to staying up till like four in the morning or something oh at least that's <laughs> us, yeah that's us every night yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> wow so what's the new music that's happening that you've been playing that you've been liking
3: oh my gosh
1: like oh, what kind of artists so, are out there that uh
3: so many in the kind of i guess under the post-punk and dark wave uh-huh umbrellas of things i mean some of our yeah, mine and, and William's favorite bands you've you've had on. We really love Actors. Oh, They're Actors. Were, the,
1: were you at that band. show? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I, I can't played, remember all the shows that I'd yeah. see you at. And we yeah, played we, with we them. We toured with them. We toured with
3: them. Uh huh. Yeah, Blacks. love them. Boot Blacks, another one. Wow.
1: Great people for well, me. let's see Actors right here, right now on JVTV as the music continues from downtown Chicago. This is a great edition of the show. We are just having fun talking about music and stuff like that. This concludes part number one of the Bellwether Syndicate. Stay tuned for part number two on the next edition of JBTV. JBTV. There you go, the JBTV podcast, where we bring you the best music, the best interviews, and it's all unscripted and totally unrehearsed. Follow us on all the social media and spread the word. This is JBTV Music Television, the JBTV podcast. JBTV.